Newtown is a special African-American community. With special people. Most of the early arrivals came to Sarasota looking to better their lives. An indomitable spirit emerged out of their struggle, and a strong faith ushered them through many challenges. The Newtown Alive Project recorded oral history interviews to preserve community history and pride. I'm Vicki Oldham. What is your name? My name is Gwendolyn Atkins. And Mrs. Atkins, where did you grow up in Sarasota? I didn't grow up in Sarasota. Actually, I was born and reared in Boston, Georgia. And uh, I came to Sarasota because I got a job here. And where did you live when you settled for a job here? I lived over on 35th Street, not far from Booker High School. Tell me about uh, your parents and uh, who they are. My parents are back in Georgia, Willie McKeever and Willie McKeever were my parents. Now, what were the circumstances that brought you here for the job? When I graduated from nursing school at Florida A&M University, my husband had graduated before me because I got married my senior year in college. So he had a job teaching at Booker High School. So when I was ready to graduate my senior year. I just applied in this one county, Sarasota, Florida, Sarasota County, because my husband was already uh, teaching at Booker High School. So that brought me here. Once I graduated, I came here. And I got a job at Sarasota Memorial Hospital as a nurse. Now, what year was that about? That was in 1964, the year that I graduated from college at Florida A&M University Nursing School. Making sure that you get Florida A&M University in oh, there. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the love of my life, my school. All right. Mrs. Atkins, um, tell me about working at Sarasota Memorial then. Some of people that I've interviewed do share with me their experiences at the hospital. So tell me, as an African-American nurse coming into the hospital. I had a great experience when I came as a nurse right out of college. Mrs. Amon was, she was not the nursing director, but she was over the education program. And I needed to have experience before I took the state boards for nursing. So I asked her if she would put me on different services like maternal and child health, psychiatric nursing, pediatric nursing, medical and surgical nursing. And I rotated uh, every three months at different services and that, so that I could get experience before I went to take the state boards in Jacksonville. And it all worked out. It all worked out wonderful. And I enjoyed my experience at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. How long were you there for? I worked there for two years, from 1964 to 1966. Treating black patients and white? I treated everybody. I was not on One North. I was just able to go all over because I was getting experience from different services, so I was not located just at one floor. I uh, rotated to all the different services. That's what I asked to do before I took the boards so that I could get a lot of experience. So perhaps there were African-Americans on one floor? 
Well, I was told that most of the African Americans were on One North when I first came there, but I did never work on One North. I just worked all over the hospital at different areas. I never did work on One North. What happened after you left Sarasota Memorial Hospital? I went to public health nursing, and that's where I spent most of my career as a nurse at the Sarasota County Health Department. Oh, you I chose public health nursing. You've got to tell me what that experience was like. How did you move around the community? Uh, who did you treat? Who were you assigned? At that particular time, the health department was right in front of the hospital on Hawthorne Street. So that was back in 1964. So all you had to do was walk across the street, and I did. And uh, I was hired in 1966. The difference is you had to have a car because in public health nursing, you went, your hospital was the community. So you went from door to door taking care of patients in their homes. And I enjoyed that very much. I had to get a car. I was able to purchase a small car and my husband taught me how to drive and I was assigned a district in the Newtown community. Oh, you've got to tell me about your experiences going door to door treating. uh, Who did you treat? I treated everyone in the home who was ill. We did comprehensive nursing care. I really was assigned to a district and each one of the public health nurses had a district, the African-American nurses at that time, we were all assigned to the Newtown area and we all had a district. And you took care of the patients in that particular district. And that was everybody in the home, even though I did a lot of maternal and child health nursing, which was taking care of single moms and babies. But yet, while you took care of the single moms, the babies, you also took care of the adult patients as well. Whatever was in that home that needed treatment, whoever was in that home that needed treatment, those are the patients that you took care of. Do you remember what the babies and and moms needed most? Well, you would actually start with the mom when she first conceived the baby. And so you kind of walked with her through the entire process from conception to delivery, and you helped her get into the doctor to get her her vitamins, to get into her doctor visits, to help her prepare the layouts. You know, the whole gamut. You just walked with her the whole nine months period, making sure that she was taking her vitamins, that she was eating properly, that uh, she was getting prepared for those who wanted to breastfeed the baby. You made sure they got into those services and they were taught so you did the whole, you know, the whole gamut. I enjoyed all of it. Now, you did tell me that um, these were young mothers, um, yes. single moms, and mm-hmm. there was, you know, a difference in how you had to handle them and yeah. how they handled their babies because this was a new experience. They were very young for the most part. The, the moms were teenagers. Most of the ones that I saw were single teenage moms, and they were... They were afraid because, first of all, they were very young themselves, and this was a brand new experience for them. However, we always relied on the grandmothers. The grandmothers were always there, you know, to give support to the very young moms. And we, they were, many of them were disappointed. They were hurt by some of the experiences that they had had with some of the fathers of the, of the children. So we were there to give support, to give encouragement to tell them that, you know, this was not the end of the world and they could still, they had a lot of living to do. They were young. So we taught them a lot and we encouraged them a lot and helped them through, you know, helped them through the process of being a mom. 
And then when the baby was born, we went into the hospital to visit them while they were there with the baby. We did discharge planning to help them to come back home. And then once they got home, we went into the home again. And then this time we concentrated on the baby. It sounds like you were an extension of their family almost. We were. We were. Yes, we were an extension. And and we were there for, we were just there for them to give them support and encouragement. You know, I see this smile on your face and it, it just seems to me that you love this, not past tense, but maybe you still do. Well, I do a lot of volunteer now in the community. I am really a community-oriented person. And even though I'm not uh, practicing as a registered professional nurse, I still am available to my community. I'm available to the people. I want to be available. You know, anytime anyone call me and Ms. Atkins about a question about health, actually tomorrow I'm doing a teaching at uh, State College of Florida to my sorority, and I'm going to be teaching on Alzheimer's disease. I'm going to be teaching on heart disease, and I'm going to be teaching about strokes. So anytime I'm asked to teach, I'm ready to teach. And last month, which was Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I did five different teachings at different places, two at a church with the women's ministry, and I did three in the community. But it was all about health and teaching people how to take charge of their health and to do good breast health. And that was what it was all about last month. You and I know Henrietta Gales, your colleague. Yes. And we've got to tell her story in telling this story because we may not get a chance to um, talk with her on camera like this. So tell me about her. Henrietta Gales was the first African-American nurse that worked at the Sarasota County Health Department. And she actually broke the barrier and opened the door for the rest of the African-American nurses to walk in. And she is our example of a very good public health nurse that worked in our community and made inroads in our community. And she also worked at the migrant camp and she did a lot of working with the Spanish speaking people. And so I can never say enough for Henrietta Gales Cunningham, which she is now. You all would um, set up all sorts of temporary places for immunizations. I, yeah. When I was with you all, I heard you talking about setting up a, a table in the driveway of was it Holton Seniors or uh, Mr. Stevens's driveway? I think most of my going from door to door was walking. Once I parked my car in the parking lot of the Newtown Housing Authority housing project, I didn't have a lot of driving. I just did a lot of walking. So what I would do is bring a car table with a white tablecloth, and I would set it up in the parking lot. And everybody knew, the nurse is here, the nurse is here. And you would hear little kids saying, the nurse, my nurse is here, my nurse is here. So I would set up the, the uh, car table with the white tablecloth, and the kids would just come running. And I would treat impetigo, which is really sand sores, what they had gotten from the sand playing in the, in the dirt. And I would treat them, and then we did ringworms, and uh, oh, we did all kind of colds and different kind of little abrasions, and we place band-aids at different, but we did a lot of immunizations with kids. We did DPT, which is diphtheria, pertussant, and uh, tetanus. We did those. We did polio. We did smallpox. We did it all. 
describe what this housing community looked like, this public housing, uh, if you can remember. Well, it was just housing projects. The homes are very close together, as they are now. Grass? No grass? Some, some grass and some not grass, but we really weren't there, you know, to see the, the, the place as we were there for the people. So that was really what it was all about, you know, to see, to go in and, and to assist the people and to encourage the people and to help them in any way that we could. Now, you know, I'm remembering two stories that you told me that I'd like for you to share. One is of the, the man that you treated who was an older man. And he had just neglected himself, basically. And you went in there and just... Yes, he lived alone and he was lonely. And I didn't, I never did see any family members. So when I walked in, his feet was filled with maggots. A lot of people would have walked out, but I didn't want to leave him the way that I found him. Because my motto was to go into a home and to make it better for the patient than it was when I first when I, you know, met the patient. So what I did, I went into the kitchen and I found a pan, which is, we call a little dish pan. And he did have hot water. So I brought, filled the pan with hot water and I came back and I rolled up his pants legs and I put his feet in the dish pan. And then I soaked his feet and I put some, some soap, soaked his feet and the maggots just came out in the water, just came out. So I just took them out and, and threw out the dish pan and just kept filling it and, until his, his feet was nice and clean. And then I washed his feet with a cloth and some soap and dried his feet. And then I made him feel better. And then I went into the kitchen and I washed the dishes and there were maggots in the, from old, dried, rotten food. So I just took care of the situation. You know, I did it. But I was not alone at that time. It was myself and another public health nurse by the name of Miss Ann Weatherington, Ann Anderson Weatherington. The two of us was working with him together. So we did work with him, and we cleaned him up, cleaned up his bed, cleaned up his kitchen, and cleaned up his feet. And when we left there, he felt so much better, and he looked better, and we felt better about what we had done to make him feel better. Wow, well, that's some story. Talking about doing what you must do, going in and surveying the situation. You did that. What about that story um, that you told me the day that you got a call that somebody couldn't make it over to um, treat the lady um, downtown? Mrs. Barr. Yeah, Mrs. Barr, normally, as I said before, the African-American nurses, were, we were really, our district was in Newtown. And at the time, we only treated the African-American patients. You know, we didn't do the white patients. Well, Mrs. Barr called, and she was in a white area, and her nurse which was a white nurse, had already gone out into the field, and she needed help. So I, I was in the office, and whenever a patient called, wherever, you had to go. You know, you had to drop the paperwork and go. And so that particular day I went, and she was downtown, and I knocked on her door, and she was an older white lady, and she was 90 years old, and she was very surprised when I came, and she, she said, oh, why did they send she didn't say African-American. She said another word. Why did they send? She used the word in. And I said, Mrs. Barr, I said, I am here to take care of you. And I said, I'm qualified to take care of you. Otherwise, my supervisor would not have sent me. And so I did. I went in and I did a nursing assessment. And I did her vital signs. I took a good, took very good care of her. I did what I was supposed to do. I recorded everything. She had to get used to me. It's being a 
African-American nurse in her home, which she was not used to. But I was, I did what I was supposed to do, and I was very professional in everything that I did. And I finally, when it was over, and I finished working with her, and I left, and I told her that I would make sure I told her nurse that she had been ill, and I would report everything that I had done with her nurse, and I did. And so later on, about two weeks later, she called down to the office, and she asked if they would send that Miss Atkins back. So they sent me back, and I stopped by, and she had picked beautiful flowers, a bouquet of flowers from her garden. And she said, I would like for you to take these and put them on your table for Thanksgiving. And I did. And she said, any time in the future that you would like to have flowers for your table, please stop by. And so I never did stop by. But I felt like I had made inroads with this lady, being an older uh, white lady who was not used to an African-American nurse coming in her home. I went in and I think, I did what I was supposed to do, and I think I established more than anything a relationship with her that would make it easier for the next African-American nurse to go in. Right. So I was real pleased with that. Who were some of the people that you knew in the Newtown area as you uh, were growing your young family? Some of your friends, maybe. Oh, Miss Mary Emma Jones, Dr. Ed James, who does Black Armanate, his grandmother, was very influential to me, Mrs. Why do you say that? Well, she uh, ran a taxi stand. Uh, she had a cafe, and she had a guest home. And at that particular time, African-Americans could not live in hotels downtown. And she had a, what she called the guest house. And that means if any African-Americans came to Newtown, you know, to go to some kind of uh, activity, that they would stay at her guest house. For free? Oh, no, you had to pay. But at least there was a place that you could stay. You know, a lot of places, like for an example, if show people came and they would do a show, but they could not stay in the hotels. But because she had a guest house, they could always come to Newtown and stay in her guest home. She had a beautiful guest home. It was two stories. So that I enjoyed, Miss Jones. Miss Jones was so influential in many other ways with us teaching us different things. Another person was Mrs. Ellie Suarez. Mrs. Suarez ran the post office. And as a public health nurse, there were times I could not find people at home. And Mrs. Suarez knew where everyone lived. And I would go to the post office and she would tell me, like I was trying to find patients to get them into the clinic. For an example, if they didn't come in and the doctor was expecting them to come in for treatment and they didn't and I couldn't find them, then I would go to Mrs. Suarez and she would tell me exactly where to go and find them. So she was very, very influential in helping me as a young public health nurse. Wow. Any others you want to mention? Anybody else? And another one was Mrs. Viola Sanders. I'm sure you know her. Mrs. Sanders was also almost like a right hand to me because my daughter at the time was having some health challenges and my husband and I were both working and Mrs. Sanders, I would have my daughter, I would get her up and get her dressed and take her to the babysitters, but she needed further treatment and she needed to go to Happiness House and Mrs. Sanders would go and pick up my daughter from the babysitter, take her to Happiness House and she would stay there through the treatment that she had, and then she would bring her back. And she did that three times a week because my daughter uh, was not walking. And she would go to Happiness House, and they would put her in the bars, and then they would teach her how to walk And because she was born with some mental challenges. 
But Mrs. Sanders was like a right hand. She would pick up my daughter, take her to Happiness House, stay with her through the treatments, and bring her back to the babysitter. And she did that three times a week. And I really will always appreciate Mrs. Sanders for having helped me with my daughter. That's, so, mm-hmm. that's great. What about where you attended uh, church when you were coming through, you know, as a young couple? Where did you go to church? My husband was an Episcopalian. And so we went to St. Wilfred's Episcopal Church. We were one of the first black families. In the at 60s? Saint, in the 60s. We had gone out to to the church and we talked to the pastor who was the priest and we asked if we could become affiliated with the church because at the time St. Martha's the Catholic church on Orange Avenue had opened up its doors to African Americans so St. Wilford's followed and they allowed us we were the first black family that actually desegregated the church and my husband and my two children and both of my children were dedicated or christened in St. Wilford's Episcopal Church. We stayed there for 20 years. There were other African-Americans that came while we were there, but we were the first. And when my son graduated from high school at Sarasota High School, the priest's daughter graduated from Riverview High School at the same time. And his wife was a public health nurse just like I was. So we were both working at the county health department. And our children were both in high school. So when they graduated from high school, Beth Ann at Riverview and Brian at Sarasota High, the church gave both of them a scholarship to college. How nice So is both that? of our kids went away to college from, with scholarships from St. Wilfred's Episcopal Church. All right. What about your social life in the community in the 60s? Did you have a social life? Not a whole lot. We were going to different activities whenever we could find the time. But we were raising our kids, and we were going to church. I was not at the time a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority as I am now, or either family or alumni, because uh, I was basically going to church and going to work and, you know, taking care of my kids. And as the kids got older, then I became a little bit more socially inclined in the community. What's your, what are your thoughts about, well, tell me about what how Newtown looked. You said that you couldn't really remember so much the public housing and how it looked because you were treating the people, but your community where your house was and so forth. I'm understanding that there were unpaved streets, really. Not while I was here. When we came in the 64, my husband came in 63, 62. When I came here right out of college in 64, well, we lived on 35th streets. The streets were paved. They really were. Mm -hmm. I'd heard people talk about overtime. You know, I never experienced that. I never did experience over When I came here, where I lived, the streets were, were paved. And Newtown was booming with businesses when I came to Sarasota. There were so many restaurants that you could stop in as a public health nurse or anyone. You where could, did you stop? I stopped to a lot of the restaurants and had lunch or dinner. I don't really remember the names per se. Maybe the barbecue stand? I used to stop at Mrs. Jones. She ran, she ran a barbecue stand, and I would stop and get a sandwich there. And right next to Mrs. Jones was Mr. A.C. Jenkins, and he had a, a gas station. And then at Mrs. Suarez had the post office, and right next to the post office was her husband, and he also had a gas station, Mr. Suarez. But there were lots of restaurants that were downtown, and it was 27th Street then. It wasn't called Martin Luther King. It was 27th Street. And there were all kind of nice restaurants that you could stop in and get food and a good hot, a hot meal. 
And it was just booming with business at that time, back in the early 60s. What was the feel of the, the community? I enjoyed it. It was like togetherness. You know, we were doing a lot of things together. A lot of people lived over at behind the school. Booker High School was booming with lots and lots of activities, and we all lived right around the school. My husband taught at Booker High School, and he we knew the people in the community. For an example, if he was teaching a kid, and he didn't feel that the kid was working at their greatest potential, before he would allow the kid to have a failing grade, he would make a visit to the home. My husband did that many times. You know, he would make a visit and he would talk to the parents and let the parents know that the kid was acting out, the kids was not doing their work, and he didn't want to see the child fail. It's like the teachers took a lot of interest in the children during the early 60s at Booker High School. And even the school where I came from, back in Georgia, the African-American teachers would ride away to get scholarships for us. For an example, if our parents didn't have the money for us to go to school, and the teachers saw that there was potential that you could, you know, you could go away to school and that you could actually finish college. Mm -hmm. They would write to the colleges and get scholarships for you. And so it was, it seemed like they were so, they were the, an extension of your family, really. Mm -hmm. It really was so different from the way it is now. That's what I was going to get to, where we are now. Where are we now? <laughs> and where do we need to be? Well... We, it's, it's just different now than it, what it used to be uh, in terms of the schools. I'm not saying this, there's a lot more technology. I think that part is good. It really is. But it seems like um, I don't know that the interest is there as it was years ago. And it seems like kids don't seem to value school, like they're ready to drop out now. And when I was going to school, it was like you always, you were prepared. You knew when you graduated from high school that you were going to college. It's like your parents had you prepare. And uh, I remember even though we didn't have the money, it's like we were, you gonna, I had to work for a year before I even went in. But I knew I was going to be a nurse one day. You know, it was like, it was right always being talked about in the homes that once you uh, graduate from high school, you're going to go further. Even if you didn't want to go to college, you were going to a vocational school. But you're going to do something. In other words, you are not going to be on the street. Your parents let you know that from day one. You're either going to college or you're going to a tech, but you were not going to be walking the street. So out of the four of us, it was in my immediate family, three of us graduated from college and three of us graduated with master's level degrees. And it's because our parents pushed us. I mean, it was something always, everybody knew you was going to do it. It's just a matter of where you were going. You knew you was going to school. Mm -hmm. That was not a question. How can we improve Newtown and what needs to be improved? Well, I think it's coming together and we've been doing these join the conversations. We've been doing that lately. All uh, Earlier this year, we took some courses with the Patterson Foundation with Dr. Lisa Merritt. She spearheaded it and we came together, several of the community leaders like Laura, uh, Lorna Austin, Dr. Merritt, Mrs. James, Mr. McLeod, a uh, lady from the health department, Pastel Ewall. Several of us came together and we took this course with the Patterson Foundation. And the basic of the course was how can we improve our community? You know, what can we do to make our community safer? And so we took this course and it was 
six or eight, maybe eight weeks. And then we came back and then we started joining the conversations where you would invite community leaders to come in. And we invited the police department to come in first and talk about how can we make our community safer to raise our children and our families and be a unit you know, where everybody love each other like it used to be, and everybody could discipline each other's kids like it used to be when my kids were coming up. Like we had a, um, a segment of our community where any one of the parents in the community could discipline the child, and uh, everybody was just a tight-knit community. Everybody was interested in our children succeeding. So what it took is like takes a community to raise a child, and that's what we did. You know, we really did. So I think we just need more togetherness and all of us with the same vision and the same mission to make our community safer and so that our children can succeed mm-hmm. and everybody with the same uh, mission and vision and goal to see our children succeed and see our community safer. I got to have ask you this one thing, the illnesses that you treated back in the day in the 60s, 70s, and 80s versus the illnesses that you're seeing today, what are the differences? Well, nowadays, they have a lot more medicines than they didn't have way back then, because we did a lot in the community. Actually, the nurse was the person. I mean, we, we did a lot of treating ourselves. And nowadays, they've got a lot more doctors a lot more up-to-date medicines, a lot more technology. They have laser treatments. We didn't have any of that during my time. And nowadays, people can go into the... We don't make public health nursing visits like we used to do years ago because we don't have the money and they don't even create the time. So people come into the clinics and there's doctors and a lot more specialists regarding whatever the condition is or the disease is. Are it's you more modernized now. Are you seeing more diabetes among African-American? Yeah, we are. We're seeing a lot more diabetes. And a lot of that is because of obesity. Because obesity enhances uh, diabetes type 2. And we're seeing a lot more people now that are obese. Is that the number one among among African-Americans in this town? It is not number one. I would say heart disease is number one for both uh, African-American men and women. It's the number one killer. But uh, certainly diabetes has its place as strokes, diabetes, kidney disease, a lot of those are the health disparities that we're dealing with every day. Would you like to add anything more, Mrs. Atkins? It's been a delight. Well, I think I've just about (laughs) covered whatever you've asked me. I've enjoyed the experience. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from the Division of Historical Resources at the Florida Department of State. Visit NewtownAlive.org for more information on this episode and other projects.